0: Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. My name is Feeney, and I'll be driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. Today, author, blogger, podcaster, movement trainer, practitioner, I could probably go on, this really cool guy named Steve Addison will be joining me to answer a pretty important question. What does No Place Left mean? Before Steve jumps in with us, I wanted to lay a little framework for this first season of On the Road. The first three episodes, including this one, will be setting up the rest of the season. We'll talk about No Place Left, the brutal facts of lostness in the world today, and a simple framework called the Four Fields that anyone can use to pursue movement. After those intro episodes, we'll give simple skills and tools that fit into the Four Fields framework. You can check out the Probable Path of Season 1 in the show notes. A few years back, I hadn't shared the gospel in a decade. If you're like I was, I hope this podcast will be a shot in the arm to get you out of the pew and into the game. We'll be covering the simple tools and skills that help me get out into the world sharing the gospel and making disciples. If on the other hand, you've been sharing the gospel, making disciples, and pursuing movements of churches for years. I think that interviews with practitioners will be a help to your work, and this podcast will be a resource to point curious people you run into towards. I can't wait to get started. Let's get into my time with Steve. Thanks for joining me on the road today. Sure, sure. What has been the best part of your week so far?
1: The best part of my week would have been getting some time with my grandchildren the best part of that time was on the footpath, on his little um, bicycle with the trainer wheels. He's just three and a half, and he just took off. That's you know, awesome. He was like, in his element, and we probably went about almost, or maybe half a mile or more, and he never tired. Just the joy of being being with him and seeing him discover freedom on a bike.
0: So that was probably the best part of my week. That's fun. If somebody, for the first time, had just heard of No Place Left and they're like, what is that? What does that mean? What is this thing? Like, How would you explain that to someone?
1: I guess the starting point is the sort of God that we follow, Mm -hmm. revealed in Jesus, and uh, His heart reflecting the Father's heart for all of His creatures, for this whole world. And picking up on Paul's statement in Romans 15 that you know, his ministry has taken him all the way from Jerusalem in an ark right to uh, I- Illyricum. Illichrom, I always have trouble with that word. But uh, right across the whole east- eastern half of the Roman Empire. And um, he's planted churches, made disciples, spread the gospel as he goes. And he's saying, well, now there's no place left for me uh, in this region. So that initial work is complete and there's a dynamic that will continue to work because there are disciples, there are churches, there's the gospel. And so now he needs to move on to other territory. And that's our heart because of God's heart for this world that we would help people right around, uh, the world get to no place left in terms of their region, their nation, their people group. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean everybody is reached, but it means there's a dynamic in place now because there are reproducing movements of disciples and churches uh, that 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 momentum will continue and the gospel will continue to go out in breadth and depth. So the wonderful thing is it's a, a vision that that just demands that we rely on God and mobilize
0: all of his people what would you say to someone that says well there's already 40 churches in this town mm-hmm. uh, what what do we need of a new work or any sort of different work we've, we've kind of already reached no place left people just mm-hmm. need to look up and look at the the church buildings that we have around what would you what would you say to something like that well I I'd flip the discussion because there's
1: no vision in revelation of church buildings mm. um, you know, the vision is of people. And I just ask, are there people in your community who are far from God? Are there people who are never going to work, walk through the church? You say, well, they can just turn up to the church and certainly. But in Jesus' day, they could just turn up to the synagogue. But he went looking for them. And so you don't even have to start with church planting. If you've got 40 churches, well, let's, let's uh, no place left vision is how about we train you? Uh, We'll help, you know, you're already reaching the people who are ready and and a a very small percentage of people are ready to walk through a church door. It happens. Right. But um, how could we help you go into your relational world? How could we help you go into your local community with the gospel, with the invitation to discipleship? And then with the basic skills... To either help people follow Christ in, you know, a pre-existing church, or helping people uh, form churches in their relational world. So, church church planting or formation is the fruit, the intentional fruit of discipleship. Uh, our first call is to make disciples, and you can't make a disciple without forming new churches or disi- you know, new disciples becoming part of an existing church. So let's let the question of how many churches do we need, that, that, we'll get to that issue. But how about we start in your community, in your relational world, Helping you share the gospel and make disciples so that's where we'd start with we would go knock
0: on the door of those 40 churches and say who who'd like some training? That's great. Um, yeah, and I even think of my own neighborhood. I know um, I, Myself and there's a handful of other believers But I don't think we could accurately say that it's no place left because we have no we have a desire I think some of us we see the lostness in our neighborhood, but if we've never put some Uh, Tracks to run on and started what does it look like to actually make sure we've we're moving towards getting the gospel out in this Maybe it's just the block. Maybe it's the entire kind of bigger neighborhood Um, Can we really say we've done that?
1: Well, and there's another step from a movement's perspective those people you reach How will they start sharing the gospel and making disciples? So you first of all go as a pioneer as a role model But everything Jesus did, everything Paul did, they're continually thinking, how do we mobilize even the newest believers? So Jesus is going into a Samaritan village. He's not saying to himself, what am I going to – well, he is sort of. But, you know, what am I going to achieve? What's my lasting legacy? Well, his lasting legacy is the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. It's not just someone who's now a disciple, but somebody who's taking the good news into her community. So, and this is the difference we talk about in the, the book, The Rise and Fall of Movements, A Roadmap for Leaders. And we say a ministry is what we can do, you know, you can do, I can do with the help of others. A movement is what God can do as we let go of and release authority and responsibility and and, and mobilize people to make disciples that, that reproduce and to plant churches
0: that, multiply so take me from uh, what you just explained i love the biblical vision of Mm. no place left that we see in paul and then now all around the western world maybe that's where i'm familiar with it Mm. Um, we got i know no place left houston we have Mm. the lingo as npl groups that are happening all over how did we get to basically something happening now with this kind of no place left label on it what just tell me a little bit about that from your study of it, from what you wrote on it, and just being involved in it.
1: Well, in, in The Rise and Fall of Movements, we, we end the book with a whole case study of this emerging movement. And, you know, there's no, there's no headquarters. There's no even not even an organization called No Place Left. You know, somebody here and there, there'll be websites. It's first of all a cause to multiply disciples and churches uh, everywhere. And in that sense, you know, there are different organizations, you know, I, I lead a mission agency and there are different churches and individuals that put their hand up and say, yeah, we, we want to be a part of this vision. Uh, and so in that sense, yeah, it's not a tight organization, but organizations and individuals and churches support it. And it, it typically it's following what we call a four fields pattern of you know just asking those questions of how do we connect how do we share the gospel how do we make disciples Uh, how do we form healthy churches how do we multiply leaders so that there is no place left in our community and then we we join with others in going to the ends of the earth so in that sense, it's very hard. You know, he, where's the headquarters? Where's the policy statements and all of that? Well, it really just uh, some. It's a coalition of, of people. We could throw out some prominent names of people, but they they just. It's a rally cry more more than it is uh, a particular program or organisation. But that four fields approach that uh, Nathan Shank developed, that's probably the
0: overriding paradigm that we're committed to. In a few episodes, we're actually going to break down that four fields a little more specifically and walk through what those questions are that you referenced in all those parts. Why is having a vision like that important?
1: I think you've got to go back to the character and the heart of God. This is what's on his heart. When I was sort of working on the book, I had quite a significant breakthrough for me in understanding when I looked at these two uh, stories that sort of prepare the way for the movement that Jesus started and his stories of his baptism and then his wilderness testing. And at the heart of these stories, I just sort of really got struck by, you know, here's three essentials that are part of who jesus is reflect the heart of god and show us how we should live and minister and there were his uh, obedience to god's his father's living word he's going to lay down his life no matter what the cost you know his response to the enemy is it is written so he's a man under the living word of god he's a man dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit, who leads and guides him, and then finally, he's committed. Jesus is committed to the core missionary task of, you know, his role is to lay down his life as a ransom for many, and to begin a missionary movement that will um, go to the ends of the earth. So. The Father is writing these things on his heart at this key moment in the, in the formation of, uh, of this uh, multiplying movement. And I realize these are the very things that he wants to shape in us. You know, his word, his spirit, the core missionary task of multiplying disciples and churches. So why not align ourselves with the heart of the Lord Jesus and uh, follow God's plan and intention? I, I think there can be nothing more important in life than that.
0: So can do you have a time, uh, you can, you've seen where God really used just that vision, that no place left vision for a, maybe it's a country, maybe it's as small as a, a neighborhood where somebody mm-hmm grabbed a hold of that and God just used that in a big way to see, see a work start? Lots.
1: <laughs> right. But um, you know, the one that comes to mind, because it's uh, my screensaver at the moment, it's a picture of all, uh, I don't know, maybe 150 guys all in white. Looks like they're you know, about to be baptized or something. And they're leaning forward and they got their hands on the shoulder of another Guy And it's a big circle of, of men. And they're in white because they're, they're, they're maximum security prisoners. And there's this move of God um, that sort of was pioneered by Don Waybright in Houston in the prison system. You know, I, I just look at that and I see these men who are all in discipleship. Many of them are in leadership and learning to share the gospel, learning to follow Christ and to gather people into disciple-making groups. They, they can't call them churches because that's just against regulations. But for all, all intents and purposes, they're forming churches behind bars in wow. the prison system. And I, I not only see them, but I close my eyes and I see their family, their friends, you know, probably many broken and shattered lives. Now the, the gospel is doing its work. And I think to myself, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite moved just as I retell this story. Wow. Of to, to the last, the least and the last, mm-hmm. you know, the gospel is touching lives in, uh, you know, there's 2.3 million people in prison right now in the united states wow so that's that's one of my favorite stories that's great we can
0: go so what how do i ask this did whether it was don or maybe there was somebody else that had prison ministry did they just get some simple tools that they needed to start using and training their uh then the inmates to start reproducing was it more they had a vision? Like, what if we could see the gospel completely overhaul this prison? Or was it a little bit of a both-and? How did, how did that come together?
1: Yeah, well, it's not simple tools, to be honest. Tools come and go. Uh, I, you know, we use, and Don uses the three circles, and I say to people, the free, three circles can't convert anyone. Mm. Uh, the three, the, it's just a tool. It's the gospel that does the work, and the three circles is a great way to share the gospel. It's, it's people like Don who in their heart are signed up for the, the missionary task, you know, the word, the spirit, the core missionary task, but then they go into a situation like that with simple tools, with simple methods, you know, that they're looking, he's looking for pioneering leaders and we talk about this in the book. Uh, They're following contagious relationships, you know, relational networks. They've got simple adaptive methods like the three circles or three thirds discipleship. They're rapidly mobilizing new believers. This whole thing is being driven by insiders in the prison system. Um, And so it's got all of the, we look at seven characteristics of dynamic movements. It's got all of those characteristics, and so one of them is the tool, but it's also godly men and women, you know, prayerful men and women. It's uh, it's all of those sort of things that you see in the life and ministry of Jesus doing doing their work in the prison system. That's what a movement is.
0: That's good. So, basically, to say it another way having a no place left website is really not going to get it done in your city. You probably need to get out and find people to, to meet and to connect with and share the gospel and then disciple the fruit that comes. Is that what you're telling me? I need to start with the work instead of the website? Yeah. Well, look, hey, have a website. Just don't, don't spend
1: buckets of money and time doing, you, you, you know, these tech, adaptive methods so the, the technology does help because it connects, it connects people. But nothing happens till you step into the real world and go looking for God-prepared people, people of peace, sharing the gospel, training disciples, you know, gathering them into reproducing churches, all of those things. It's got to be grounded. And as you go that journey, build links with other people in your region who have a similar heart. Build links beyond the
0: region that uh, enable you to be encouraged and, and equipped? If they want to jump on the road and pursue No Place Left themselves, uh, what would you, yeah. what would
1: you that's, tell them? That's, that's a good question. I, I, I'd say um, do whatever you can to get some, some basic training. Uh, you've got to travel because uh, it's not in your back. Just, just get some training from people who – Practitioners who have fresh stories of the gospel getting out and disciples being made, uh, something like the 411. But there are other entry-level trainings you can do. Take some people with you. Don't start this journey alone. Form a group or a team and just start. Make sure you're in the harvest at a regular pattern, that you're meeting to practice the skills and do discipleship. We use the commands of Christ. So they're the discipleship methods you'll use with others. We'll start practicing them as a group, and then tie in with other groups and practitioners around the region or somewhere else in the country to stay on track with with further training and encouragement. So you've got to go this this journey with others, but. You know, the thing that will change you forever is when you step into the harvest field and discover that God's already there. The Lord Jesus says, you know, come follow me. I'll teach you to fish. Uh, He's already there. He says, go to the ends of the earth and, and I'll be with you. And so the thing that changes you is to discover his activity through you and in other people's lives who are far from him.
0: Thank you so much, Steve. And thanks to anyone listening to this first episode. If you want some of that training we just talked about, check out the show notes page at ontheroad.feeney.com. We'll provide links to Steve's blog, podcast, and latest book, and most importantly, a place that you can connect with training that will help you on your journey to no place left. Once again, those are all at ontheroad, all lowercase and run together, dot dot com if you have a question to ask or a story to share go to that same url and look for the jump in heading i'd love to hear from you this has been feeney thanks for listening to the first episode of on the road to no place left keep sharing the gospel making disciples and reproducing leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of jesus hasn't been heard